You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Welcome back to the Hunters Advantage Podcast. This is episode number 140. I'm joined by Jake Gaylord. How's it going, sir? How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Answering a question with a question. Maybe. It's a, a tip, a, an ancient technique of negotiation. No, how are you? Sure. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> probably just set a new record for the awkwardest <laughs> intro we've ever had. Uh, um, fine. But many more to come. Yes. Today's episode. What are you drinking? Well, uh, some of the Lord's tea. Okay. Lord's Chick-fil-A. Tea. Chick-fil-A sweet tea, I assume. Yes. Do you think that's any better for you than pop? Doesn't matter because are you I doing can rationalize hard. It. I am. What's that say? Says that I'm hitting my macros, son. <laughs> I mean, I think 75 hard says no soft drinks, and then you're drinking something that's probably that's... worse than a soft drink. It's not a soft drink though. It's not carbonated. So, so whenever tack rolls around, would the end of your seventy-five days be up? Yes, thank God. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm just asking. Yeah, thankfully, I'm doing this fitness program, and it's not. Jake's trying to haze me because of my my tea drinking, but I enjoy it. It makes me happy. So. That's fine. Well, the only reason I ask is when tack rolls around. You know, after you get out shot, you're going to want to mourn and uh drink away all of your problems mm. possibly that's just true like, that could happen no and when i said drink away i mean like just a whole bunch of cases of sunny d speaking of tack we do have a pretty pimping cabin for tack already it's gonna be fun it's our cabin has a hot tub i'll say that it's pretty awesome it's gonna be very fun is that why you invited two other dudes well, yeah, a hot tub's not full unless you're bumping feet. Uh, you know what okay. I mean? I like it. I like yeah. it. Who's so, the other guys that are, that are going with this? Uh, Matthew Taylor and Micah um, Can- Cano. I think that's how you say the last name. Yeah. A couple of hardcore bow hunters. Matthew was t- was hunting. Uh, well, they're from Texas, so I don't know how hardcore they could be. So Tread lightly. We have a lot of people <laughs> from Texas on here. Come at me. Come at yeah. me, boys. We got a we got a pretty good crew for tack, but this episode's not about tack. This episode is about the. This is like Theo Vaughn's podcast. Like this past weekend, that's basically what we're talking about. We're talking about this past weekend, which was um, a shed trip turned scouting trip, turned camping trip. So it was all of those things bundled into one. For for me, it started out as a camping trip. Jake decided he he couldn't. He's not as goggins as me, so you couldn't stay out in the cold. Okay, what's worse, waking up at 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 four thirty or five and driving multiple hours to go shed hunt, or driving there the night before and then staying in on a nice air mattress? I'm pretty sure waking up early would would be a little bit harder. N- well, from, <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. A nice air mattress? Yeah, no. We'll it was get only like that. what, like thirty degrees? Yeah, it was. So. I don't know if we've talked, have we talked about my camper shell on the podcast yet? Uh, I don't think so. So I found this nice lady 
the, this person that was selling a camper shell. Um, and her, <laughs> it's sad because I was like, you, you know, when you get scammed on Facebook all the time, like it's usually like a woman selling an item that a woman shouldn't be selling like a camper shell or like an, like an ATV or something. You're like, is this yours? Or are you selling it on behalf of someone? Well, is it stolen? Yeah. Is it stolen? That's another good question. Um, it wasn't, it was just this poor guy. Um, his ex-wife was selling his camper shell. <laughs> and so I picked it up and it fit my truck. And this was my first weekend, uh, trying it out. And I found, uh, this, this is probably the analogy I would use for the camper shell. It's like when you get a really nice, like fishing scamp from, you know, like an uncle or someone that's like, Oh, you can have it. It's been the pasture for a few years. And then you get in it and it's only sitting about this high above the water line and you can't move very far. Mm. And like it weighs five or 600 pounds when you go to pull it out of the water. That's kind of like what it was like sleeping in the camper the first night. And why is that? Because my, you saw it when I showed you it, um, in when I was, uh, up at my parents' place, but where the, the tailgate shuts on my Ford truck, there isn't like, it doesn't create a perfect seal. Like there's like two eyeball sized holes on the edge of my bed where you can just like see light. And I had the propane heater running with like the windows cracked and I just felt this steady stream of just air, like cold air hitting my face. And, and I was like, there's a problem. To a normal person, that would almost be super relaxing where you could probably fall asleep instantly. Like, you know, you're all warm and then just a little bit of nice breeze on your on your face. To me, that's like instant KO. But I've hunted with Christian long enough and we slept in his truck multiple times. And I... I have done this enough to know that he, he already knows what I'm going to say. I know. He loves warm weather. This man's like, what are you, 6'2", 6'1"? 6'2", yeah. 5'11", okay. And uh, <laughs> so this man, yeah, he loves the heat. And you would think that as big as he is, I'm not calling you fat, but I'm just saying like <laughs> usually, usually bigger guys, like taller guys, like like, like can't stand to be hot. And like I'm, I'm like what five eleven, six foot maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hold it in. I'm five yeah. ten on a good day. Yeah. Uh, no, but anyways, uh, listen to this. I am five ten, maybe five eleven <laughs> with shoes. So just letting y'all know, uh, I can't stand to be hot because just I don't mean to get too super off topic. If you've been a long time listener, you probably heard this story before. Christy and I. Just a little short rundown. Christy and I went turkey hunting and we slept in his truck. And basically we were trying to take a midday nap. And it was like would have been fine, like like it was springtime, obviously. So it would have been fine, like, you know, lay on the ground. Windows down, yeah. Right, right. But Christian decided to leave his truck running. I'm like, hell yeah, you know, leave the truck running, AC, beautiful nap. No. I would wake up every 15 minutes to him. Or just drenched in sweat. So I was on the side of the the, the pickup that had the sun beating in on the window because I was in the passenger seat. So it's already hot from that. And then this man had the AC or the uh, heat fully cranked. And so I would wake up in a puddle of sweat. And then he'd obviously be asleep all nice and warm. And then I would flick it over to AC. And as soon as I fell asleep, I guess he would wake up. (laughs) And then we just kept playing like a 
like a, a game tag. of phone, yeah, phone tag, but with the heat and AC. And it's just ever since then, like I, I see it in the in those little moments. Like it'll be summer scouting, and he'll have the heat on, and it's just like no. <laughs> it was funny because we uh, I slept in the back seat one day. Um, while you and Carol slept in the front two seats of my truck when we were summer scouting one time. Mm-hmm. And I remember waking up, I'm like, God, it's freezing in here. <laughs> and, and Carol was like, dude, it's not going to be 90 degrees in the truck. There's three dudes in here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm telling you, you like, I mean, I'm sure you know, like, but how, how does Lauren feel about that? Is, is y'all's house set on like 80 degrees or what? No, I like Dude, I'm telling you what it is, is you would hate to ride with me on a long driving trip because I will go from extreme heat to extreme cold. Like, I don't like the middle. I like it being really hot or really cold, and I just go back and forth between the two when so I So you are David Goggins. You like you like to struggle constantly either. Exactly. Either all in either way. I, okay. I, I'm starting exactly. to understand you now. Yeah. Yeah. That's Yeah, that's been a struggle for the group. I mean, really just relinquishing yeah. control. That's the only reason that... <laughs> that I let you guys sleep in the truck is what is because I want to be able to control the heat. I don't know how to, okay. you, I don't know how to control it on your truck. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, uh, where are we going with this? Camp, camper show. The camper so show. Okay. I got, I got down to where we we're uh, going to shed hunt and scout and set up my camper shell, set up my nice little twin size air mattress. I have a short bed pickup, so it's like 65 inch bed. Well, every cot you've ever bought is like 75 inches, so it won't fit in there. I'm like, this sucks. So I have a little twin size air mattress, like an extra small twin. Um, it's like short. I get it up, get it aired up back there. We've got the propane running for a few minutes and then shut it off. I get, I have a negative 20 degree sleeping bag. So I'm like in that thing. I'm like, dude, I'm so toasty. Like, this is awesome. And you know, when you get something new, I like gear. So when I get something new, I'm like, I'm excited about it. I'm like, I'm excited to be in this camper shell for the first night. And I remember waking up at like two o'clock in the morning and my feet are like above my head and I've collapsed into the bed. I'm like, ah, like it was 20 <laughs> degrees. All the air was out of my air mattress. Like I'm talking, it was no, nothing left. There wasn't a hole in it. You know how it gets when it's cold. It just, this is one of the cons of an air it mattress. Just deflates, yeah. Yeah, deflates. And I remember waking up and I was like, it felt like my nose was off my body. That was the only thing that was showing in my sleeping bag was my nose. Mm. And it was just like numb to the touch. Cause the, the wind was like hitting it every time through those two so, little ball size holes. Before you fell asleep, did you not, uh, close the windows or did you? Just- oh, I did. Yeah. Okay. But it was just this, the stream coming in from those two little holes, from the tailgate, from the tailgate. My nose was just, I sat there for like two minutes and just worked out my nose. It was like, ow. <laughs> like, and once I got that good, I turned the propane on, opened and cracked a window again, turned the propane on for a few minutes and went back to sleep, aired my air mattress back up before I went back to sleep. And then I woke up at like 5.30 and you texted me, you're like on my way or something. And I was like, oh, sweet. I got like a few more hours I can sleep or whatever before he's here. I aired it back up again. And by the time you got there, it was done again. So... Screw I, I guess you either need to get like a like a shorter cot to throw in there, or get one of those air mattresses that like uh, <clears throat> automatically. Sorry, someone was calling me. That automatically start inflating itself as soon as it like it senses it's deflating. They have those. They make those while you're on it. 
I I believe so, but I think it's a little loud, so it'd probably wake me up if we ever wall tinted it. So yeah, never mind. I'm a cot person. Yeah, I am. Too. I like to I like to cot for <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, uh, Carol's not on to talk about his beef with air mattresses, but <laughs> I don't know if he hates like like the the deflating of air mattresses more or just like being close to the ground with all the little insects. Close to the ground's a problem. It it's is a real problem when you're. It just sucks. I, I mean, for like a weekend trip, air mat or yeah, an air mattress really isn't that bad. But like sooner or later within the trip, like as soon as you get up in the morning, you don't want to be knees to chest, like trying to trying to put on no. socks and stuff in the morning. So yeah, a cot is like a little, you know, like a little chair, and it helps tremendously. It does. Um, so first night in the camper shell, didn't get didn't get very much sleep. My rated out of ten. Six. Five. A six? Five. I five. would think a six would be really good for like like you just getting the camper shell and not like decking it out yet. Okay. Four? I don't know. It's your rating. I, I'm I'm just I'm just trying a to five. I think trying it's probably, to see. Probably probably realistically a five. I mean, really? if my bed hadn't went down two times, I I'd have been like, oh, this isn't bad. You know, it's really not bad. Like you're not super cramped. You know, it's like I said, uh, I'm probably going to release a video of us finding absolutely no sheds, but messing around <laughs> on YouTube. Good video. But Check it out. The video, um, in the video, I remember, um, being like, dude, this is like a 10 square foot house. Like, this is awesome. It's like having your own little house. Mm. Um, but so anyways, what's your plan before we get off topic? What's your plans for that? Like, like, are you going to deck it out any, how are you going to deck it out? Or are you just going to? basically leave it how it is and just slumming it. I think we, uh, you had a pretty good idea. Slumming it would be fine mm-hmm. for a while. I think I could do that for a season, but I think the ultimate goal would be having like a wood frame. Like you could put a memory foam mattress over and that had a couple drawers and like a, you could pick up the top of the bed frame and it would have storage under there too. Cause I don't want to lose all the storage cause I need it. Um, but apart from putting a frame in from a bed, that's probably all I would do. Hang some lights maybe some easy, easy lights, but I have that super cool, that Duracell battery pack thing that I got to charge our cameras. Like that thing is so awesome back there. Cause you can run your laptop off of it. You can oh, really, run, Oh yeah. Like it'll charge your laptop eight times. Dang. So it's pretty legit. So anywho, that's probably enough of the camper shell talk. Let's talk a little bit about what the goal was this weekend from a scouting and a shed hunting perspective, what were, what were you trying to accomplish this weekend, Jake, when we headed to headed to one of our favorite spots? Well, um, obviously we, we called it a shed, a shed hunting trip, but we, we changed always that to know, a scouting trip. <laughs> yeah. We changed it scouting trip pretty fast. I mean, as you already know, like, uh, we talked about beforehand, it's just like, listen, we're going to go down there, try to find some sheds. And if that's not working out, I mean, regardless, at least we're going to, going to do a little bit of postseason scouting. And I think that was the, the main drive, because if we wanted to shed hunt, we could probably find a, a, uh, closer piece, like just a shed hunt. Like if you're wanting to just put on, put on miles for some piles, then I mean, go to the closest, you know, wildlife unit you have around your house. Right. But, uh, for us, it's kind of like a, like a, almost like a midway point, but also, and you can probably talk a little bit more on this. It's like, uh, we don't necessarily like just walking just to walk. 
and we'll do it if they're, if it's like with a big group or something. But if it's just, you know, like UI or Peyton or something like that, then it's just like, let's go see where we're going to be hunting next year. And if we kick over a shed, that's just a bonus. That's my, that's my attitude with it too on the, this is on public, by the way, right. this is our, this is our idea of shed hunting on public land. Like, obviously if we're going to our private, I expect to find one on private. Like, I don't. i really don't i really don't uh i have a buddy that that uh brush hogged the private last summer and he sent me a picture of like just a uh, four point side in his tractor tire and i he was like you need to do a better job of finding sheds i was like listen trust me i've walked but i can guarantee you this i'm not gonna go walk in the middle of a hay meadow trying to find a shed Mm. like that little bit of thicket I have, yeah, I'll go cruising through it, but I'm not going to walk in the middle of a hay meadow. There ain't no way. Well, <clears throat> Jake doesn't expect to find a shed on his private. When I go to the leases, I expect to find one, or I hope to find one. On public, um, sorry. Depends who you are. Yeah, it depends who you are. Um, on public, though, I, I'm with you. Like We have so many limited, we have so much limited time on or our time, let me say that a better way in English, please. Uh, our time is We're so limited. <laughs> our time is so limited when we get to scout and we felt like we did a really poor job of scouting last summer For sure. that we were like, Hey, if we step on a shed and it pierces our boot, I will pick it up. But I'm specifically looking for areas that we haven't hunted in the past that we think are going to be great for holding deer in the summer and in the fall. And so that was kind of, that was my goal was to find a spot and hopefully through the, um, attrition, a bunch of miles put on the boots. I think we did like 10 ish, um, that we would find a shed that way. So the, the main goal was both scouts scouting and, and finding a shed. But I feel like, I feel like we really were on to something with the postseason scouting in the areas that we went and looked at. what do you think about the new stuff that we looked at? Um, Hopefully it's going to be peopleless come come season. And obviously trail camera is going to figure that out here in a few months, uh, whenever we throw them all out there. But, uh, I hate to kind of admit this, but like, this is like our first, (coughs) this is our first kind of go at like right after season type scouting. Right. So I guess you could say like postseason scouting, but like our scouting mainly consisted of like in 2020, we went, when did we come? July? June was our first one. No, 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 no. Because remember, uh, wait, that, that was last year. Because last year we went to TAC and then shed hunted it. So, yeah, 2020 w- w- would have been June. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's the earliest we, we have been uh, scouting down there. And I think we found a few sheds, if not <clears throat> uh, at least one shed in 2020 in June. But uh, all that being said, like scouting-wise – let me get back on track here. We've never done um, any, apart from shed hunting, we've never done any like actual time devoted right after deer season. Like deer season closed all, only like a month ago. And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of, uh, I what I didn't realize when we went was how much of the stuff from the last year was going to be left over, last this last season was going to be left over for us to scout. It all, It felt like, preseason scouting but with all the sign from the last year which is exactly what it was but and it felt a heck of a lot better oh my gosh 50 what was it 50 
something. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the morning it was like like thirty some, and then like mid afternoon it got got up to like fifties, and it felt beautiful. No sunburns, but no, nice. no ticks. No ticks. Yeah, it was great. It was great. There was a what what immediately stuck out to me on the the scouting front was like, hey, all of these grasses that are usually whacking me, and I'm having face. like dip yeah dip dive dock what is it dodge whatever you get it the dodgeball movie sing like a butterfly dodge a wrench (laughs) yeah you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball um what i mean you're used to that in the fall and when you go down not in the spring but like i'm talking winter like it's still very much the winter all of that grass is so dormant it's like it's like getting to see with like x-ray vision goggles on in the fall because it's like oh I, I don't just see an isolated rub. I see, I can, I'm with my bare eyes right now. I can see five of them in a row and they're like 70 mm-hmm. yards apart. And you're like, this is a pattern. You can notice a pattern. You can see the subtle topography changes that you can't see in the fall. You know, like the, the visibility might be 75 or a hundred yards where in the fall, it's like, I can see 400 yards that way. I can see exactly why these deer would do what they're doing. And you can see the beat down trails more. So that was just, did that surprise you? That surprised me quite a bit. So yeah, we could see the contour because obviously all the all the grass was basically dead on the ground and and, and dormant and stuff, and it helped seeing other sign like rubs and the droppings were even a lot uh, more noticeable when whenever you walked down. Like you could really tell like which which trails were the more predominant trails just from the droppings, at least for February. But uh, it's kind of funny because when you were talking, I was like, well. You could see, you know, you could see the rubs better. You could see the contour better. Then how come we couldn't see the sheds? Because <laughs> there wasn't no freaking shit. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Like, I think some people just just have that have that eye for the for the sheds. I mean, do you think we walked by any? Hundred percent. I just ten miles worth of walking, and granted, we were walking in in, in every place you could think of out in you know the middle of the you know the timber down these little dre- uh dried creek beds around the creeks and stuff and it like the bedding areas wasn't working bedding areas roads crossings creeks all that stuff like the places you would expect to find sheds um we think we think allegedly that's what a guy on a podcast told me once um yep. but no I, I i think this is a good time to reference the uh the NDA study that I heard the other day, I'm going to butcher some of it, but, um, so of course. there, of course, yeah, there was, um, like a 450 acre p- like piece of land, um, that was like pen raised deer. And they knew exactly how many bucks were in this piece of, um, hyphens. And they wanted to study like how, like how, what the percentage of antlers you could recover based on while well, knowing exactly how many deer are in this pen. And so they sent like five researchers in to shed hunt this place. And they said that they only found 39% of what they knew was there. They knew exactly how many were there and they only found 39%. And this is on a 450 acre piece with five people. So you put that in perspective. I think we find way less than 39%, way less than that. And, and then you, you take a couple people like Jake and I that have the untrained eye we're probably fine. We found 0% this weekend. Like we said, we got to stumble over them. Go through yeah. the boot. Well, and those are, there are those folks that, you know, like 
there are some hard, I didn't realize it. I just had an hour long conversation with Jake Ayers the other day on the phone. Um, there are some people that like shed hunting, like deer hunting, like they like to get after it. And I guess I was trying to think about why have we never really been like that? And I've thought about it. I don't think we ever had very many places that were worth a lick of shed hunting. No, they like, barely had bucks on them. So why on earth <laughs> would we look for sheds? That, that, that seems like an awful idea. Yeah. And, and I, I thought about it too. Like the places that you and I grew up hunting, there's no bedding on any of these places. So it's like, I just hope he runs through this meadow and drops it right here. Like, yeah, we just didn't really grow up doing it. And so I don't have that deeply rooted passion similar for the Turkey thing. Like we like shooting turkeys, but we didn't ever really have a plethora of turkeys to chase. So it's like, it's not something I'd think about, you know, I don't wake up on a spring morning and I'm like, mm, I want to pick up a piece of, pick up a shed. Like I don't, yeah. just, I don't think like that. The Hunter's Advantage podcast is powered by Out on a Limb Manufacturing. Out on a Limb is a family-owned company based right here in Oklahoma that makes tree stands, saddle platforms, climbing sticks, and so much more. Christian, I have a quick question. What's that? What bites sound harder, a hippo or an alligator? No idea. It's a trick question. The Ridge Runner 2.0 bites harder than both of them. But all jokes aside, we use these products all across the land on public or private. These help us get into any tree we want and hunt where the deer actually are. Most men go to the grocery store for their meat, but these products help you go to God's grocery store. I have used the Out on a Limb Ridge Runner 2.0 and the Shakar Sticks for the last few years hunting public land bucks, and I've actually shot several bucks out of this setup. If you want to support the podcast and get some Out on a Limb equipment, make sure to go to outonalimmfg.com and use code HNTA10 for 10% off at checkout. Once again, if you want to support the podcast, Go to outonalimmfg.com and use code HNTA10 at checkout for 10% off. Now let's get back to the podcast. I, okay, so, so tell me this. Would you rather go shed hunting or go turkey hunting? Probably go shed hunting. <laughs> okay. Would you rather go shed hunting or would you rather hook a largemouth? Go shed hunting. Okay. Okay, last one. Would you rather hook a largemouth or go turkey hunting? Probably go turkey hunting. See, that's the only one we, I, we don't see eye to eye on. I think rather I'd rather. Large mouth? I think I'd rather hook a largemouth if it's on a boat, at least. If it's like bank fishing, then no, that's fair. Neither. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So that's a that was a long preamble of uh, a few um, studies on why some people can't find sheds and why Jake and I are in that category for sure. Um, but we, like I said, we put up 10 miles on 10 miles uh, on the boots and I thought we did some damage on finding some places that could hold some good deer. Um, one thing I was surprised of was since all of the cover was gone on these places, it seemed like we saw a lot more deer than we yeah. normally do. It was Absolutely. like, I jumped, a lot of deer and unlike how it normally is when you're hunting in the fall, I could watch them run away for like 300 yards and they would get, I would notice they'd get like a hundred yards away and they'd stop and look back. And I'm like, Oh, they probably do that all the time down here. I just, when they get 50 yards away, I'm like, they're gone. <laughs> you know, next County. Yeah. Did you jump very many when you were walking? Cause we were kind of taking different paths. Like we would come up on a, you know, a clear cut or something and Jake would take one way and I would take the other way. What did you see when you were walking? Did you jump very many deer? I, I didn't jump very many deer. Uh, I did see one, but that could have been 
like one of the five or six that that you said you jumped because at the time we were relatively still close together it wasn't until like half a mile up there where we really got spread apart but uh no deer wise i didn't but for sure driving around uh those back roads and stuff that's i mean obviously you, you were with uh me then too but uh that's kind of where i seen the most of my deer i think we saw just driving around we had to have seen like over 30 there was a couple so. of groups that we saw seven or eight in one group and that's what kind of sucks because like uh you see a whole bunch of them like that and you immediately think doe, but it's just like, no, those could have been bucks that just shed their antlers. And so we didn't bring the binos with us, uh, this trip. Cause we we're like, we're not going to need them. Like there's really nothing to look at. Like if it was summertime scouting or something, obviously always bring the binos. Cause if something runs out in front of you like that, you can use them. But we're thinking like at least the majority of the racks were already dropped. We thought didn't see a buck. So, uh, I'll tell you that. No, no, we didn't see a buck, but also, when you try to like base it off body size when they're out in the middle of the field, uh, at least for those deer, just like you know, a doe could be a buck at that point because body sizes are very similar, as we've yeah. talked about before. That's true. Did you learn anything on? So we talked about how kind of the grass was dormant. Um, you could really see beaten down trails um, very easily. There were still a lot of remnants of that. Did you learn anything about? kind of where these deer were using that you couldn't have learned when the grass was there. So like, for instance, I noticed, I think I already knew this, but I noticed a lot of that movement on the downhill slopes, uh, coming out a lot of those clear cuts. Like there was, there was trails cutting all the way along those Creek banks. Mm, I see kind of talking about. Yeah. Did, was there anything that you saw that you were like, huh, I, I wouldn't expect that with the trails or was it all like, no, I thought that's how it would be. I mean, you kind of figured that's how it was going to be. Cause like, uh, where the tall grass usually was like, there's always going to be like those little saplings and stuff, uh, that are, that are kind of growing within that. And I would think that like, just my thinking and tell me if you agree, like at least for that mountain area, you would think like, if you see tall grass, that's kind of where they bed. And if th those little tall, those little saplings that are within those, like if they bed close, those trees are probably going to get like, uh, shredded up a little bit, get rubbed on. And with all the grass down that kind of like, uh, proved that little point. And I don't know if that, if that actually means they, they, they really bed in that area or not, but in the summertime walking through the tall grass, when you have to, it seems like that's where you find all the beds, but <clears throat> that, that is one thing that was a little bit more difficult to find. And we didn't see as many of was actually the beds. I don't remember, I don't remember walking that a single time being like, that's a bed for sure. Right. So that, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Like in a long winded way is like, is that actually where they bed now? Cause I mean, walking through during the season or, uh, I, I guess let me back up a little bit walking through summer scouting when the grass is all green, you know, everything's all growing. Uh, you, you could definitely tell what's a bed. And it seemed like walking through that tall grass, you know, you, you would see a bed. It seems like more times than not. And then going through the season and stuff, like, it, like obviously you weren't walking like through there, but then fast forward to the postseason uh, scouting slash shed hunting trip, you don't see a bed. So like going back into the season when you're walking to your stand and you shine your headlamp and stuff, sometimes you see deer bedded like 
on the top of this little dried creek bank, which is basically eye level with you. And so does that prove the point that like they can bed anywhere or what do you think about that? I don't know. I felt like what I um, observed was it seemed to me based on the deer that I jumped in this in the February was those deer had almost transitioned from those big native grass clear cuts into like the cedar thickets for bedding. Like it seemed like that was the only place where there was like anything mature or thick enough to bed in. I mean, Mm. it was, I think obviously the bedding is going to shift, right. Depending on the availability of cover. But I think when, when you look at those, um, six, seven, eight foot tall clear cuts with that native grass in the, in the fall or in the summer, in the fall, that's like the Mecca bedding. Why would you bed anywhere else than that? Right. But that's, but that's kind of a no brainer. Like during the summer, like, of course you're going to bed there and a, because you can walk through and see multiple beds, but I guess I did a bad way of asking it, but like, so postseason scouting, you're supposed to postseason scout because, uh, everything's like theoretically supposed to look the same as during the fall when you hunt. Correct. You would think. So if they, if they don't bed necessarily into tall grass anymore, like then, and they transition, that's kind of like a little learning curve, so to speak that I guess I'm just now thinking of right now and trying to talk through because Mm. before it's just like, that's kind of what we did in the past. Now, granted it's not completely as dead as it was, but like, uh, that's kind of what we started doing too is like trying to find those edges, right? Like focusing pretty hard on the edges and and in the mountain country, that's kind of what you have to do, but maybe, maybe in a way, like maybe in certain spots we rely too heavily on those edges. I mean, thinking back, if that makes sense. Or, or am I just like rambling and it's a crappy question? Um, no, it's not a crappy question. What, what do you think we could rely on apart from the edges based on what you learned with the bedding? Well, no, I mean, obviously still rely on the edges, but like maybe halfway steer away from like the, the tall grass, if that makes sense, if they're trying to transition away from it. You're saying in the late season? Yeah. 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 That's what I wonder is if that becomes a factor in the late season, I feel like we don't hunt enough in January to know. Like if you, for instance, we did a lot of a, not a lot. We did some hunting in Kansas in the, in December, right? Remember when we got all that, all that snow. Mm. I wonder if you get that snow in the mountain country or you get that weather in the mountain country. If those deer shift their bedding from those really thick native grasses to cedar thickets in the last part of the season, which if you take back at a couple of years, we tried to hunt in January on our normal fall pattern in those edges. And it was like, we didn't see crap, No, you know? And it makes me wonder, well, of course you're not going to see anything in the late season when all those grasses are dormant because they don't use it anymore. It doesn't seem like they bet in it anymore. That's kind of, that's what I wonder is like, if I was to go back and hunt that kind of habitat in January, I would probably hunt near cedar thickets now. That's probably how I would change my, my tactics. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what else is there besides those? There's, I mean, nothing, there's nothing. And yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, because literally last year when we hunted in January, like we, like we hunted it just like it was late or late October, early November. Didn't see a deer. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think that's the ticket. 
because um you remember the last place we shed hunted um the last place we shed hunted right before we left there was a th- cedar thicket in the middle of the, all those big you know Basically all those bowls coming together yeah. yeah i walked through that cedar thicket and i was like bed 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 remember when i was like there's so much sign in here bed crap yeah. i was just waiting to step on a shed it never happened but i lied earlier when i said i didn't see a bed that was the only place i saw one was in the cedar thicket so it just goes to show you like similar to what we learned in kansas like you have to the same places that you're going to hunt in the early season are not going to be the same places that you hunt in early november which are not going to be the same places that you hunt in january or december like that's kind of a I guess it's something I'm putting together now is that like you have to be adaptable based on the way the deer changes. And I guess that's not really something that I thought about too much changing with the seasons. Like I've, I think I've relied on picking one spot and being like, Oh, I hope it works in a month, you know, instead yeah. of being like, well, what's but different now? Hearing it from the outside in, you're probably like some of the viewers are probably like, well, duh, like duh, you gotta be adaptable. <laughs> and it's just like, listen, listen here, Timmy. Okay, like Aww. some, yeah, some things, some things have to be like drilled into someone's skull, and some things, you know, you can say the same thing to another person, and it's just like, oh yeah, comprehend, check, and it's just like, no. With us, we typically learn the hard way, and we have to see it like in person, and like, and that's what that postseason scouting, literally just j- just one trip of postseason scouting put that together because we didn't talk about this before this on the phone or anything like that. Like we're, we're, we're just talking it out like right now and kind of came, came to this realization. So you all kind of gotta, gotta be a part of the, of that mess in a way. So that could have happened on a, on a 30 minute phone call or it could have happened on a podcast. We try to not talk about that stuff until we get on a podcast. Cause it's like, these are where the ideas kind of come together. It's like sitting here and being like, I know why I didn't kill a deer last year. I just learned why, or I just thought about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like it usually happens, but I have a, I have faith that people that listen to this podcast can say, okay, we got, we're with a couple of dudes that haven't arrived. They're still learning every single day. <laughs> like I'm, I'm learning late like, bloomers. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I continue to bloom. We continue to bloom. Um, oh, good. No, good. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, what were your goals? Like, so to speak, this, for this trip, like obviously like to shed hunt, to scout, but like, did you have anything beforehand that, that, that you wanted to accomplish? So my number one goal for this trip was, it seems like year after year, we deal with it more and more of the, um, not being able to get away from people kind of thing. And that continues to be an issue, whether we're in Oklahoma, whether we're in Kansas, um, happened to me in Nebraska. It was an issue. Uh, it just seems like it's a constant, um, thing that's coming up. And when you work all year and you have a limited amount of vacation and you go up and it's day four and like your juices are flowing, you think you're going to kill a deer, you hear steps coming and it's a guy in blue jeans stepping out, picking up acorns, looking at him while you're hunting. There's nothing more frustrating than that. Like, I cannot stand it. My, our last two weeks in November, our two weeks in November trip in Oklahoma and Kansas. I don't know how many times I got walked up on. There's probably some new listeners. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but what was it like seven times in a two weeks? You're talking about in Kansas. Yeah. And Oklahoma. I got walked up one time before that too. 
Probably. You yeah. got walked up on, I think, the most out of all of this. I didn't get walked up on Kansas. I walked up on some people. So uh, I guess that's my fault. Or I didn't even walk up on it. That He just started flashing his headlight at me from about 50 yards away. But I did get walked up on in Oklahoma. Yeah. And Carroll, I think either – I don't know if he did it or not. but He got walked up on in 2020 and 2021 in Oklahoma. Yeah. Well – as you can see, 2020, yes. 2021, 2022, the theme remains the same. People. And people run all good things. And so what I've decided is like I, I'm willing to um, be more creative in the places that I go. And I wanted to find a spot that there was no way that, or the only way that I'm running into somebody is if they if they follow me. And I feel like some people can say, oh, we'll go deeper. It's not always that simple. Sometimes it's going deeper. Sometimes it's finding something that looks like nothing right off the road. Well, I'm not going to tell which one of those we did, but we found something that I think is fairly special in the area that we have been hunting. And um, that was my goal was to find a place like that, a place that if somebody walks up on me, the only way that they're doing that is if they're following me or they've scouted in the past. And that this is just their area that I'm intruding on. But that was my goal found a bunch of deer, jumped deer when we were doing that, found a bunch of sign. And I think that goal was accomplished. That was one of your goals too, though, right? Yeah. But, but when you're saying like, uh, get away from people, I did find when we were back there, I did find three, uh, like ice bags, you know, like those ice you get at like the quick ice vending machines or whatever. I found three of those empty, obviously, and uh one but one of the ice bags had a rope and it was tied up in it so i don't know if i found like a, like a murder weapon or <laughs> something along those <laughs> lines doesn't look like a deer hunting bag no no so i i don't know i mean people could have brought bags of ice back there to to throw it in a cavity or something while they were dragging it out i don't know Maybe. that just seems like more work for me or yeah to me but uh i did find that and that's like the only presence of like human sign i i seen back there but it could have just I, honestly, I don't know how it got there. It could have fell out of a loan. Yeah. With the rope inside of it. Sure. Talk is, uh, what I've, <laughs> <laughs> what I've noticed is, uh, about myself too, is like, you can find a really cool spot, but talk is cheap. Like it's hard. If you have That's to gonna do, be a walk. If, yeah. Well, topography changes and stuff too. You always hear people like say, oh, you got to put a ridge in between. If you can put two ridges in between you and someone else. And I'm like, when you're getting out of the truck and you're putting your stuff on, you're like, yeah. And every piece of gear you put on after you're like, Ooh, you put on like your bow. You're like, Ooh. <laughs> and then by the time you yeah. got your camera and everything on, you're like, it's gonna be a long walk up and down, up and down. So what we've decided, I think is like, let's let the cameras tell us how hard and how far and how deep and how high and how low we need to go. That sounded like a limbo thing. I was okay. Mm. But that's, I think what we decided. I think we have a general area based on the postseason scouting that we did. And I feel like you said it when we were leaving, I feel like we learned more about this place that we're hunting in one day than we did all last summer in all of our scouting. Granted, yeah. Kansas, well, but. yeah, but say uh, we really didn't scout this place. Cause we are like, Oh, we know what, I guess that is a good point. Last year, what we did. And for the, for the long time listeners, I'm sure you've already heard this, but we scouted Kansas because we drew out for Kansas. So we're like, we're going to put all our eggs in that basket. We've hunted this place for, for the last few years. Uh, we, f- we feel like we know it fairly well. 
And so we're just going to go in, no cameras here, uh, last summer and whatever, you know, first nice thing that walks out, like we're going to shoot, you know, uh, and just kind of, kind of play it that way. Well, fast forward, we got our butts kicked. And then now we tried it both ways. We tried it in 2020, super hard scouting, you know, days on days of, uh, moving cameras around, uh, having Intel dude, Okay, I guess I'll finish my little sentence. And then in 2021, nothing at all. And 2020, it was success, successful for multiple people. 2021, obviously, it was successful for Justin. Uh, and you, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking this last year. I'm sorry. And then, uh, well, I was mainly talking about the summer scouting, okay. right? Yeah, we scouted we scout hard in, in 20. We scouted, we scouted hard in 21. Too. Okay. Just okay. 2022 was a uh, it was like an off year. Very off. Yeah. And uh, so now being on both sides of the spectrum, uh, we kind of see like where we messed up. Like, hey, and this could be a good point for the listeners too, is like, even if you think you have a spot, you know, dialed down, here's a beautiful thing about public is it changes. It changes constantly. Like whether that be new hunters move in that blows out this area for a little bit and then your spot's ruined. Or if you think you got just a beautiful honey hole, well, things grow up, the canopy thickens, the understory is not there or the understory takes off and, you know, has all those new immature cedar trees or whatever uh, growing up. And sooner or later, you can't see more than 20 yards. Like I said, things change. And no matter what, I think even if you think you know a spot, you need to continue to scout and find uh, find where those deer actually are because – in 2020, dude, we were on them, and and even in 2021, we were on them too on that uh, rattle rattlesnake spot uh, that we found out was actually not our not our spot even. So it's kind of crazy, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, in 2020, like I think that's the year we we probably hit it the hardest, and we had bucks on bucks on bucks like on deck, like we knew where where certain shooters were and we we're just like oh we don't want to go compete for those because there's like a truck or two parked on the side of the road and it's just yeah. like i think that's the difference and then coming to like fast forward two years to this year where we didn't do any scouting it's just like we, we have no idea what's going on and it was kind of like a like a humbly reality check yeah you think you know something and it changes every single year you listed a <clears throat> you listed a lot of the good ones another few that i'd add to that is not only what happens to your spot, what changes around your spot. Like, you know, mm. something 300 yards away could get clear cut. Okay, well, now the deer are going to that fresh browse over there. Or someone on private starts feeding corn or somebody plants something on private. Like, it's just constantly changing. Um, there's so many different factors. And that we talk about, like, on private and stuff, how most your most recent information always kills deer, right? On private, like, and cell cams are a big part of that. Well, you need that most inf recent information on private or on public too. And we had none of it. It was like, let's try what's worked in the past. And it didn't, it didn't at all. No. And it's like, it's also cool to like know what you're hunting too. And like, that's, that's, that's part of the pick me up. So like, if you're like, kind of like you said earlier, you're on day four and you get walked up on, like that's a kick in the nuts. Well, if you're on day four and in mountain country where you have, I would say fairly low deer density, where you 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 know going in like hey I'm probably not going to see a lot of deer, but if I do it's probably going to be a, a one I'd be really happy to fill a tag on. So 
with that being said, like even you know you're not going to see that many deer by day four, your mind starts like getting the best of you, and you're just like, you know, I I just I just want to see something. I just want to see something. Well, it would help a lot if you go if you had a, a camera already there, and it's just like, well, I haven't checked it in a, in a, in a week, so I'm going to go get it, check it, and hey, if I know something hadn't hadn't been cruising by here, and even though I even though I know it's you know the rut and something could cruise by here regardless, it's just like just having that 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 recent information too can help you uh, know when to move or when to stay. It's a good point. I think another uh, another good thing that we did talk about when we were wrapping up on public was um, we like I'm glad that we started now. And I think starting now would be would benefit most folks in a really big way because now what we were talking about when we were walking back to the truck was, hey, I know where the cameras are going. Like now I know. And now it's just a matter of when we go out in the summer, of course, we're going to be scouting and looking at the different nuances, but we have our area. We have our general spots. And as they change a little bit, we'll know where to put those cameras. Whereas in the past, when it was 98 degrees, 100, 105 degrees, and mosquitoes. Yeah, mosquitoes. <laughs> you're sunburnt. When you're walking back there, you're just like, dude, put the camera. I don't care. Just put it up on a tree. Right. Just make sure it's on. You know, we're not like that now. We're like, I want one here, 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 and here. And that's because we picked a good time to scout. Most recent information was still there. And um, and we dialed it down to where I think, like on the last here's another good example on the horseshoe, right? Like we were sitting there, we're like, let's just go instead of walking the road, let's go check out a different spot. Summertime, go check that it. wouldn't happen. What? Summertime, that wouldn't happen. No, it would not. We wouldn't like, yeah. get me to the truck. But we decided to check out one last spot that looked like nothing on the map. And we were like, this might be our one of our better spots. You yeah. know? Like, it was juicy. Turned into zero cameras to maybe three cameras are getting hung there. For sure. Yes. So, I would... I'm. We're very novice when it comes to directly, like, winter, postseason scouting. But I feel like I learned a lot about deer this last weekend, and we've got a good game plan on uh, where our stuff's going. Yep. I'm Jake. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you want me to say? I mean, I thought, yeah, I mean, you were just on a roll. So I was like, hell yeah, go off, girl. That's always funny when you're talking and somebody's on a roll and like you expect them to keep going and they're like, you just look at you and just like, okay, let me, let me find some words to fill this awkward silence. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's all I, that's all I had was, I think we covered that pretty good on what the goals were, what the results were, what we're going to, how we're going to take action based on it and how we were lazy last year. That was one we had to put in there. So, so, uh, we plan on doing anything else in the upcoming, like maybe, maybe more scouting or maybe more shed hunting in the future. I'm going to do some on private land because <laughs> I actually want to find a shed. Um, Understandable. Yeah. I, I plan on going shed on at least one more time. Uh, I've got a black bear hunt coming up in May and then I got like a, a turkey hunt in Wyoming. So I'm like, I can't be spending three weekends shed hunting, you know, <laughs> like this is not Pick on your battles and shed hunting yeah. is not one of them. That's not one of the ones where I'm like, I'm going, you're going to like it. I'm not going to do that. So what are your plans for shed hunting? Are you at least going to go walk around your private? Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go do that. Uh, so I listened to a podcast today that, that was like, Hey, you know, you might want to do your tree trimming and, you know, and stuff now. 
instead of in the summer. And it's just like, well, you could do that, but you also run the risk of like having to redo it in the summer anyways. But tree trimming, I could see that because obviously like that wouldn't be a bad idea. It ain't like grass. It ain't going to just grow up in uh one one summer but uh other than that i don't know i might i might go walk the creek and see if i can trip over a shed or a deadhead see see and see if i can find what the neighbors <laughs> shot and it ran over the fence but uh yeah i'll probably do that i still need to go get my blind and my camera to be honest that's out there it's a good point that's not that's a non-cell cam isn't it sd no it's a cell cam no cell cam you just cancel yeah. your membership I did. I did cancel my <laughs> membership, but so okay, I'm still out there. I'll get it eventually. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think uh, I think that's all we had on this uh, postseason um, no fruit shed hunt that we tried to do out on public land. It was fun. We burned some rubber for about one day, learned some things, and uh, I'm ready for the summer. I'm already ready for the I summer. Too. I'm ready for some pictures. I think I think that's like one of the first few words I said out of the truck. I said uh, I said yeah, this is cool. It feels nice out here, but I said. I'd rather be driving this road going to check cameras instead of like just looking for sheds. I agree. I agree. Well, um, I think that's everything, uh, that we had. We've got a really exciting guest coming up soon. That episode will probably drop in a week ish. Are you going to name drop? I'm not going to name drop, but, uh, if our buddy Alan McDonald is listening to the podcast, he's going to be very happy. Um, <laughs> some other, some other folks have requested this guy as well. Um, an absolute legend and especially in the public land, uh, bow hunting space and especially in the saddle hunting space. So that's dude, all I'm going to say. Dude, I'm already on. I mean, hold your applause. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is not Jacoby Gaylord either. It does start with a J. <laughs> yeah stop all right i'm gonna i'm gonna end this before people start people start guessing so uh that's all we got for this episode make sure to go leave us a rating review on apple spotify google Podcasts, wherever you listen to the podcast leave us a comment on youtube if you want to see a video version of this podcast you've been listening on apple but you really like video uh, we have a new channel called hunter's advantage podcast it's got a gray ha it looks very similar to our normal channel and we just now started putting the video versions of this podcast on so go check those out and just to clarify, it costs you nothing to subscribe to either YouTube channel, either the primary one or the podcast channel. It costs you absolutely nothing, but it does help out tremendously on uh, how YouTube and that whole mathematical equation about the algorithm distributes all this video and content. So if you would, be sure you subscribe to both. And also, if you guys are looking to upgrade any of your equipment this summer, meaning like climbing sticks, saddle platforms, uh, heck, I, I even think they have camera arms for like your camera. If you want to start getting self-filming or if you want to use your phone, they even have an adapters for that, uh, to get you started and basically whatever you need, be sure you guys check out, out on a limb manufacturing, uh, they're great Oklahoma based company, great guys working behind the curtains out there. And if you happen to see something you like, be sure you use code H N T a 10 at checkout for 10% off. That's a good segue. One thing I missed. <clears throat> a lot of you guys are probably wondering about the 10,000 subscriber giveaway. We posted about it on social media. We haven't talked about it on the podcast. Nick Van Diver of eight air Oklahoma won. He won one of his buddies actually tagged him in the giveaway. And then he entered and he subsequently won. His buddy was like two spaces off. So Aaron, 
you messed up by tagging Nick. Hey, hey, Ron. <laughs> yeah. So Nick won uh, the giveaway. Um, out on a limb, actually shipped out his gear today. Three Shakar fixed sticks and a Ridgerunner 2.0 saddle hunting platform. So congrats to Nick. Thank you guys to everyone who entered the giveaway on YouTube. We really appreciate it. Um, and we're going to do more stuff like this. Like we plan on having out on a limb as a partner for a long time. So if you guys like them, good because we're going to keep giving away some of their stuff and hopefully if we bring some other partners on we'll give away some other cool stuff and as well as our ha merch which is like the only thing we can contribute because we don't make cool stuff like arrows <laughs> well we do have some pretty cool how cool hats coming out too that's that's true new hats what uh what do you call those rope are they rope hats okay if you're like one of the guys that likes to small stream aficionado like a fly fisherman like those kind of hats that have the rope that are go you asking the me front. just because i'm balding or <laughs> <laughs> yeah those uh we have a couple of those style of hats coming out with a new ha patch um i think you guys are gonna like it so be looking out for that stuff that's coming on social media we just ordered those today and we'll catch you guys in the next episode bye Jesus, love you Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.